This is David Bateson, the voice of Agent 47, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 73 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Monday, March 8th, 2021. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we are joined by host of the Trophy Room podcast, Mr. Badbit, to discuss the finalization of the Bethesda deal, the closings of V1 Interactive, and the announced XP grind increase for the Avengers game. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse, as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am wont to do each and every week, I offer words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. But this week, I am not doing it alone. Joseph Moran, Mr. Babbitt of the Trophy Room, is joining me this week to celebrate games, talk shop, and offer kind words to whomever and wherever we need to. That didn't quite make sense. What's up, Joe? Hey, man. What's going on? I'm doing good. How, how about you, man? Well, it's been a trying uh, time. I think I opened last week's episode with some vague offerings of kindness to people who might be dealing with losses in the world of COVID. And at the time of that recording, no details have been announced. But uh, Bobby Paul's a Nintendo guru had just passed away. And then we lost another community member, Mr. iDizzy, uh, whom I met through the Iron Lords community. Mm-hmm. And it, it has been a trying week. And so I I, I offered and graciously, graciously you accepted uh, to join me on this episode just to help me get through and not have to do it solo, man. Yeah. So thank you for being here. Hey, thank you for having me. And yeah, it's been it's been a tough week in change. You know, when I found out during the weekend, I had to keep um, I had to keep Guru's loss, you know, secretive for for a good two days. Those were the hardest days of my life, man. Those were those are difficult, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so, really, my kind words goes to the families of Nintendo Guru, I Dizzy, and the communities that mm-hmm. are really holding together strong. Um, and supporting each other, just like we're doing today. So honestly, it's been a rough few days, but it's kind of beautiful how, you know, we take a look at someone like Bobby, a Nintendo creator, bringing an Xbox folk and a PlayStation person together and having that, that common bond of loving games. That's, you know, that's what it's all about. So that's my kind words today. Couldn't have said it better, my friend. And uh, absolutely, I think about Guru a lot because it was his content creation that I think motivated so many others to create their own. And he was often very supportive of that. He had me on his show, which in turn allowed me to meet you and and so many other people. Sean Capri, the Xbox Drive as well. Uh, it was, it, or it is rather, a wonderfully fond memory that I have of him uh, in the long term. And I, I really appreciate everybody who has banded together to offer kindness and support to each other in the community. Uh, same with iDizzy. So it's been it's been a rough one, but but also uplifting to see the reaction, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Again, I'm happy to be here to talk Xbox of all things. <laughs> Xbox of all things. And it's a good week to talk Xbox. Mm-hmm. We waited a day on 
recording this particular episode. Typically, we record shows on Sunday. Today, we're recording on Monday, March 8th, and with today's date comes the news that the Bethesda deal is complete. It has cleared U.S. and European markets to make sure there was not a monopoly involved, and it looks like that $7.5 billion deal to acquire ZeniMax from Microsoft has gone through, and this will have ripple effects in the gaming industry, I would imagine, for years to come. Yeah. Oh, man, this is this is going to just everything. Everything changed today. Like, you know, when the announcement was made back in September, it was monumentous. But this today feels real. It feels like there's definitely consequences to this. And I guess to, to throw it to you, Luke, what are those consequences, man? What, what happens today? Why is everything so changed? Well, in the immediate term, now that we've cleared the deal and it looks like they're, everything's set and done, uh, this will bump the Xbox Game Studios number up to 23 studios, which uh, is pretty impressive when you consider it boasts, you know, now it, now it boasts Arcane, Machine Games, id Software, uh, Tango Gameworks. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff happening with Bethesda. And it certainly raises eyebrows for, you know, what the conversations of exclusivity will be. But moreover, I think this is a great step towards providing top-tier content year-round in Game Pass that has been lacking uh, since Game Pass's inception. Even though it's amazing, it hasn't had that first-party AAA goodness on a consistent basis. Yeah. You'll get your Gears. You'll get your Forza. But it kind of seems like that's it. Like, I feel like the biggest year for Game Pass was when, like, Sea of Thieves, State of Decay, and Forza came out that year. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what Xbox gamers could kind of expect going forward is at least three temple titles each and every year, you know, going into the future. And I think if you're an Xbox gamer, there's a lot to be happy about here because Microsoft has essentially really taken hold of the Western first-person RPG, like having um, people like in Exile that's currently working on a mystery RPG, having Fable, having, you know, um, having all these studios. Yeah, Outer Worlds, there you go, thank you. Having all these studios and games making these awesome RPGs, it's awesome to look forward to because it destroys that narrative that Microsoft's only good for multiplayer games, you know? Mm -hmm. And Certainly now so. having these big single player games, that's that's fantastic. You know what do you what do you think about this? Because I know you're not like the biggest Bethesda guy out there. I'm not. I'm not. And I like a lot of the games that have come out of there, like Doom and Wolfenstein. 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 Uh, I, Wolfenstein. There it is. I absolutely love those first person shooter experiences, but the the first person. RPG games have never really been for me. That's even prior to the the scandal stuff that would help me off of cyberpunk is the idea of going through an RPG in first person wasn't always something that I was uh, diehard about. But what I have always, we I've always heard, you've always heard, it's been a constant conversation, has been that, that narrative of Xbox has no games. And yeah. that came through the Xbox One generation for good reason in some cases. And for other reasons, it was simply just memed out and now i think what we're looking forward to with this bethesda deal is the conversation that games are good better and best on game pass when they're from bethesda they're good better and best on xbox when they're from bethesda and we now have to wonder 
whether or not we're going to see these games as exclusive titles mm-hmm. over on the PlayStation side. I would imagine PC is not a big concern. I would imagine the Switch is a, a play, play it by ear as well. Phil Spencer said this was a case-by-case thing. I've I've made declarative statements. I've made speculative <laughs> statements. Uh, none yeah. of us actually know, but this deal perhaps takes us closer to an announcement. Uh, there are rumors of a tw- uh, March 23rd announcement for Bethesda. Mm-hmm. No clue if that's actually in the works. It would make sense, though, to have some good communication with their fans. Uh, as somebody who is probably sitting on the other side of that fence, a PlayStation yeah. gamer uh, traditionally, are you concerned nervous what goes through your mind uh, as someone who likes to do the majority of his gaming on the playstation side well i want to cut you off right here for one second say jeffrey grub grub over from venture beat um he actually (laughs) he actually uh said that it could be even sooner like march 11th we'll get Hmm. some type of announcement from bethesda and microsoft it looks like today was very much it's official it's in stone and now they're kind of working as to what is the official future because Microsoft can't just make decisions for Zenimax, you know, before the deal's gone through. So we might get to understand what the next big step is for Bethesda games and if they'll be really exclusive. And mm-hmm. a lot of people I know in the PlayStation community feel a little bit torn. Um they don't feel like this is a one to one scenario where like Insomniac with Spider-Man. Spider-Man will eventually go multi-platform as where Bethesda games, let's be real, this is forever and done. They're never coming back, you know? Um, If that is the case. So, you know, it is similar. I don't feel like there's a a mirrored uh, uh, effect, but I understand the sentiment. So, Mm -hmm. for me, I'm not a big Bethesda person. Like, I love Skyrim. Skyrim's an amazing game, one of my favorites. But outside of that, I'm not really affected by the buyout one bit. Like, I'm excited for Deathloop, but, like, that's that's kind of it. Like, I, I love machine games and what they do. I love Doom, and I'll miss those games. But other than that, I feel a little bit unaffected. But I, I do worry, for me, as to if Microsoft continues this buyout. That's where I, I get a little worried, where, you know, the rumor is they're still hungry. Mm-hmm. And what is going to satiate that hunger? I don't want one company just outright buying buying whole publishers outright um, and calling that competition. That 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 is the only worrying sign, for the most part, that I have. And when it comes to, you know, when it comes to Microsoft and changing of the culture, they they very much fear you know feel like it's laissez faire. Let Bethesda do what they want to do and I'll be a lot more comforted knowing once they release their plans of what's happening to Bethesda I'll be very comforted to know if you know yeah it's definitely Bethesda does what they want because we've heard big conglomerates tell you know people hey nothing's going to change and then years down the line they get blizzard (laughs) you know like Mm -hmm. Activision just you know twists and, and turns that that good company sort of toxic and so and that's important to note my also, fear. and I apologize for cutting you no, off, no, no, that no, Microsoft no. did just that in the late 360, early Xbox One era. They acquired studios, shifted them over to Connect projects, mm-hmm. uh, shifted them away from what they were perhaps best at when acquired. Lionsgate keeps going through my mind. Um, 
nonetheless lion but rare as well right rare as well yeah, yeah. pre-sea of thieves they were they were huge in the n64 and uh banjo and all that and then connect adventures and while connect adventures was cool it wasn't what rare was was especially known for and so i think there's an understandable concern that you're mm-hmm. raising there uh, i also would offer perhaps a bit of hope in that it, it could be a Disney situation, and for all the, the gripe that Disney gets, we've been blessed with Disney+, Plus, multiple Star Wars projects, multiple Marvel, MCU projects. There's a lot of things that have been happening as a, resu- a very positive result of the Disney acquisitions. Yeah. You have to wonder if we'll see that element with Microsoft or something different. And that's where I'm more confident with Microsoft. That Blizzard concern kind of fades with me because we know that, like, For example, Microsoft's background, you got a lot of developers in positions of power. Like, Phil started off developing for Blinks the Cat. So, like, he Mm -hmm. knows, I I feel like, or at least has some sympathy towards developers and their games that they're making. So, that's not my, you know, my, my biggest concern. It's just one that is lingering because... I've seen I've seen the smart talk before, and it mm-hmm. I, and I'm not gonna let it fool me again. You know, w- what about you though? Because you're an Xbox guy, so you're getting all these games on Game Pass. That's great. When you hear mm-hmm. the comparisons of like, well, this is like Insomniac with Spider Man, is mm-hmm. that is that a fair judgment? Is that a one to one, or do you feel it, it's a little different in that in that sphere? It feels a bit different to me because they're. With the acquisition of ZeniMax, there come comes with it a huge amount of IP mm-hmm. and multiple studios at very different tiers from one another. There is a different tier of studio uh, when you look at, at the, the id software, say, to Arcane. And that's not to diss or celebrate one more than the other, but they work and operate very differently. They also right. work and operate very differently than the other games within Xbox Game Studios. You could argue that 343 is huge and, and putting out top-tier stuff, or you could make an argument that they really haven't, and that's a a very uh, based-on-your-perception type approach. But I think it, it fundamentally is different in that Insomniac was a smaller acquisition, as sure. it were, than Bethesda overall and what they bring into the catalog. Now, what this does do is, almost with one fail swoop, single-handedly eliminate the future argument uh, or the future meme that Xbox has no games. And while that has never truly been true, mm-hmm. uh, the perception was certainly there. And as much as people would like to throw the argument, well, you know, they're just buying up all their all, all the talent or all this or all that. Uh, if, t- if you look into the sports world, that's happened plenty of times and super teams have failed and super teams have succeeded. And those ones that succeeded certainly have trophies in their case and nobody really thinks about the fact that, mm-hmm. oh, they bought up all the competition. They, they have the trophies. They have the, the result they wanted. Uh, when it comes to me personally, though, Joe, I'm not stressing the idea mm-hmm. of exclusivity. While I don't have a personal super strong affinity for any one of their properties past, say, Doom, uh, I I don't think that I'm going to suffer, and I don't think I would suffer if these games were available on PlayStation or made multi-platform after a timed exclusivity window. But Microsoft does hold a lot of cards here that they've not held before. And with mm-hmm. that does indeed come responsibility, and they have to navigate these waters carefully to not anger a consumer base that is uh, known for being easily frustrated. And that's a, that's a great point you raise, and it leads into a question I got for you, sir. 
they have it seems like the biggest win, but then at the same time a lose lose scenario, because if you make you know you aggravate let's just say the PlayStation fans, let's just say mm-hmm. we're as irrational as we are, and they're just like nope, you know Bethesda games they're not PC, and you're gonna deal with that backlash. Mm-hmm. Is there actually a realistic backlash if they say, you know, on Thursday or whatever the day is, um, they're like, you know what, Bethesda is it's a case by case basis. If they mm-hmm. want to go exclusive, that's their right. But mm-hmm. for right now, it's 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 as things were. But the Bethesda catalogs on Xbox. Do you feel like there's actually like a how dare you, <laughs> you know, in, in that like. How how do they handle or juggle that that response? Do they take the lumps? Well, they're gonna have to take lumps no matter what they choose to do, and it's a matter of you know biggest bang for your buck and path of least resistance. I think uh, right now, to my way of thinking, and I have fluctuated on this many times, both on this show and outside of it, as Same. I think others have. Uh, right now, my feeling is that you make all single player games exclusive from here going forward continue to support multi-platform games i'm thinking fallout 76 live service games continue to support games that exist in other places but going forward you do make uh all of your stuff that is single player or single player centric right Mm -hmm. exclusive to your xbox ecosystem and available on pc i think that's just just what you need to do going forward and if there is a case-by-case situation that arises then deals need to be made i love the goodwill that microsoft is working to generate with its community and they're doing that because they are in last place their inability or refusal to make certain types of deals is also why they're in last place and there's Mm -hmm. there's elements and generations that you can argue they're in but i think it's important for the industry that microsoft is hungry to continue purchasing studios and content and making good stuff but also hungry to to show that they're willing to fight tooth and nail and mm-hmm. there's a feeling that comes with that that is there's an intangible aspect to it that i'm not sure we we have just yet i want to see microsoft uh boast exclusive games that let their fans celebrate the brand mm-hmm. uh i don't mean the the fanboyism the fanboy wars but i do mean is that an xbox gamer needs to feel rewarded consistently for investing in that ecosystem just as playstation gamers they've gotten god of war spider-man horizon zero dawn and there is no reason to think you're not going to ghost absolutely (laughs) there's no reason to think the next one's not around the corner for playstation because they continue to hit them out of the park and I, I think what you mentioned here as well, like the Trojan horse that nobody's really talking about because it, it, it really oftentimes is PlayStation versus Xbox for the sake of SEO. And mm-hmm. where the real strength in this purchase really lies in is PC because Game Pass, while great, I don't think it could support itself with just the Xbox community alone. That's why we have Game Pass PC. And what better way to allure people on mm-hmm. PC than to say, hey, Bethesda, these games that, mm-hmm. yes, are on console, but are so profound to the police, uh, PC ecosystem, here's that carrot on a stick. I mean, we see with the Steam sales, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, Xbox has been killing it on Steam. I bet Microsoft also looks at those Steam numbers going, hmm, this is ripe for Game Pass customers or soon-to-be Game Pass customers down the line i think that's the biggest deal here whether it's exclusive or not microsoft's making a 
big play to PC audiences. And I don't feel like enough people are really like realizing that. And I, I think that's where the next big steps for Microsoft really is at this point. Because I feel like if you're a console owner, you know the you know the the value in Game Pass. If you're mm-hmm. a PC member, and I this is out of our realm, do you know? Are you aware? And how do you make those people aware? How do you entice them by making more purchases like these? Yeah, I agree. And before we close out this topic, the idea of a a showcase as it were or an event where microsoft acknowledges the the merger or the the purchase of zenimax and bethesda and states what it's going to be doing does that happen this month and what should gamers realistically expect from that type of a communicative event yeah i i think it's sooner rather than later um i feel like if it's good news it's during the week um if it's bad news it's probably on a Friday, uh, in terms of like that exclusivity or not. Friday afternoon, 5 p.m., we're going to raise the price of Xbox Live. Is that what Fair. you're saying? Yeah, like one of those. And um, <laughs> honestly, the expectation for me is hey, Bethesda, it's been a pleasure knowing you. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so long. Farewell. I'll be buying Deathloop. You got to prove Ghostwire Tokyo. But beyond that, Listen, I'm lucky enough to have both systems. Even if I didn't have my Xbox, I'd be probably trying out Game Pass on my PC because of this. So to mm-hmm. me, not the biggest loss in the world as, you know, like you mentioned earlier, Sony's still delivering the games that I really love. You know, mm-hmm. they're still giving me my Bloodborne game of the generation. Um, and until they stop doing that, Luke, don't give me that look. Bef- oh, if, you know, sorry. until they stop doing that, they'll have my support as a PlayStation gamer, but I will say this. There is no way on Shoes Green Earth or Blue Earth that PlayStation isn't looking at this going, okay, all of a sudden our portfolio of Western RPGs got slimmer today. Mm-hmm. What do we do here? I bet they're kind of they're thinking about what their next move is. But it's cool to see as a PlayStation gamer where like we are the home of the third-person, over-the-shoulder uh, open-world games. Now we see Microsoft over there being the king of the first-person RPG. And I think mm-hmm. that's really awesome, is you're seeing two brands that are doing two totally different things. It's great. Two things popped into my mind. Uh, the first of which, as far as this event goes, absolutely, wh- whatever it is, they need to state very clearly and for the record what their plans are with Bethesda going forward and not leave it for people like you and I to speculate mm-hmm. for the next two years, three years, what's going to happen. You can you can make us speculate long term if need be, but in the short term, we need to know what's happening with the company, what types of games we're going to be expecting them to produce, and how that directly impacts the respective ecosystems, uh, both Xbox and PlayStation, because there are games that are coming to other platforms, as it were. And the second thing that came to my mind, Joe, is that Microsoft has until recently or has recently in the last few years been publishing games that that are from their studios or their properties on other platforms and been working as a publisher with nintendo and sony is now to a certain extent going to be working as a publisher with mlb 2k Mm -hmm. microsoft's doing this now with Deathloop. certainly the companies are having to get used to communicating with one another going forward i wonder if and this is highly speculative and not one that i think is practical but I do wonder if there won't be some, you know, greased elbows at certain points as they 
have certain games they do and do not want to be exclusive or that will be benefiting of a a bigger player base if they don't cut deals uh, here and there for various properties or windows of exclusivity. Do you think that's going to happen? I don't know. Not a fair question, is it? It's not a fair question. There's there's a lot of moving parts in there. What I will say is this, is that whatever Microsoft does uh, in the next few days or weeks um, is we have to respect that choice. And it goes down to the fact of if this is the creator's choice, right, the, the developer's choice, so be it. And us as gamers have to learn to be okay with that. You know, if it, if it was up to Todd Howard and Todd Howard's like, okay, we're going we're going green for life, baby, and that's it. So long. We gotta respect that. We gotta. I I feel like we gotta, as a kid, say, keep the same energy, right? Mm-hmm. With the Insomniac uh, Spider Man buyout, we gotta keep that same energy when we're taking a look at something, even if it's on a grander scale of a Bethesda and Microsoft situation. But that's that's what I would have to say on all that. Keep it respectful. Fair point. With Bethesda news now behind us, Joe, we get on to something that is, I think, a bit more downtrodden. We never enjoy hearing that studios are closing, and V1 Interactive has announced on Twitter that they will be closing their doors. They did so with a tweet and then a follow-up tweet by Marcus Slato, who is one of the co-creators of Halo. He was the studio head as well. The press release read, We are sad to inform you that V1 Interactive is officially closing. We want to thank all of the talented people at V1 for both past and present that helped make the last five years wonderful. And a heartfelt thanks to an amazing community that supported us. In a continued statement, Marcus Leto said, At V1, our priority has been the well-being of our employees. We've been transparent with them about the state of things for months, and we are taking this decision now. We are making this decision now so that they have ample time to search for new jobs while being supported by our studio, end quote. Joe, kind of a bummer here. I know you and I both played Disintegration at various levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, always sad to see a studio close down, especially one that was led by the pedigree of Leto. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's very disappointing to, to see. I was able to get an opportunity back in PAX East of last year before the Dark Times to try out the game, to talk to a few of the creators, developers. Um, these people really loved what they were working on. They really believed in it. Um, and unfortunately, man, it did not hit. It didn't resonate, uh, with, or resonate with people. And unfortunately, and I think it goes back to the, a little bit to the Bethesda uh, conversation, you know, Games are getting to a point where they're getting so big. Um, sometimes, you know, a, d- a dev's eyes are bigger than their stomach type of deal. But um, they get so big that a game fails and those people are out of a job. And so this is a really sad news to see because the game had a lot of promise. It just needed some some basic, you know, tweaks here or there to really get that game to a really workable state. And... You know, I bet they also talked about it behind closed doors of what they could do, maybe going free to play and not seeing um, not seeing light at the end of the tunnel. So this is really sad news for them. Uh, my heart goes out to everybody looking for a job, especially in these times. So, yeah. Sucks. Same. When I think about disintegration, uh, the game, specifically about the game, it did feel like the eyes were bigger than... Uh, what they were capable of doing in the time they had, perhaps another year in the oven to achieve some of the goals they had. But in principle, they had a really neat idea 
that I think just needed a little bit more work, but they were ambitious, and I did appreciate that uh, as far as the game was concerned. Now, studio-wise, I really appreciate also the way Marcus's statement reads that they were upfront with their employees, and they were clear about what was going on. I'd seen very transparent tweets from him in the recent months about things that were happening with disintegration, and I like the idea that they've been having an opportunity to search for jobs ahead of time while the studio is still afloat. Mind you, he is an exec in this role talking, so the grain of salt, I suppose. But I like the vibe and the energy that's being put out there. Yeah, you, you definitely, again, at least from what we're hearing from, from Marcus, it, it definitely feels heartfelt. Uh, I know a lot of people going through some really hard times, especially where I'm at right now, seeing a lot of um, small businesses just outright close. Um, or having lose, losing big clients in in a dire straits type of deal. So it's awesome that, yeah, he is trying to support his staff, you know, as they job hunt at this point. So, again, bad news, but it, it is some type of comfort that there's good people out there looking out for others, you know? It'll be an interesting aside to find out where Marcus Leto ends up, particularly mm-hmm. given that Microsoft is hungry for talent. And my amateur understanding, I don't know just what level of talent he truly brings to the studio. Uh, He's certainly the co-creator of Halo. Disintegration had a lot of impressive elements to it, uh, and he's done some some neat technology things. But you have to wonder if we don't find out about some of this team ending up with Microsoft or just where they go, whether or not that's part of a story uh, later on this year or whatnot. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens there, at least in the short term. Uh, but like you, I do hope the best for those people involved because when you're making games for gamers, it, it's it's a it's a cutthroat business in in many ways. But I'm always appreciative of those that make experiences for us. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And in having more experiences to go in the future, our good friends at the Iron Lords podcast recently held. Uh, had an interview with the Xbox Director of Program Management, Jason Ronald. He visited them for not the first time over Mm -hmm. at ILP, and shout out to Cog and the crew over there. And while on that episode, Jason Ronald revealed that there are more games coming out later this year with the direct quote being, not all games that are releasing this year have been announced, end quote. Uh, Joe, a lot of a, a story or two made the rounds to IGN and some other big sites based on Ronald's comments there. Yeah. Uh, where there's smoke, there's fire, perhaps. But anything big happening? Do you think? You know, the loudest word that keeps getting thrown out there is Starfield, and mm-hmm. probably this being one of those announcements. Um, and. Possibly so. I mean, I think we've seen a few leaked screenshots from Starfield already. Um, But it's really cool to see that, yeah, there are some surprises still slated for this year. Because, you know, I I feel like the Rona has started to finally impact games and game Mm -hmm. development. At least on the outside. You know, us gamers being able to, to, to enjoy games. A lot of those games that we're, fi- we're getting excited for are being pushed back or don't have a firm release date because they just don't know when those games are, are coming out. Like A good example is a game like um, like Ratchet & Clank for us PlayStation mm-hmm. owners. That was supposed to be launch window of, of the PlayStation 5. That's coming out in June, 
right? Returnal mm-hmm. delayed till February. Um, even, you know, uh, games like God of War, <laughs> it said 2021 and that's all we see. Probably they was sure a lie in the first that. place. <laughs> yeah, probably was, was was BS to begin with, but them going, all right, well, we're not going to talk about that right now. Or just like Gran Turismo being straight up delayed to 2022. So, you know, these things are happening and it's cool to see that there are some some surprises still waiting for us this year cuz i don't know about you but it does it does feel barren in terms of mm-hmm. games releases as we got this new generation it kind of does feel like a soft launch of these Certainly. consoles right i i'm i'm so in tune with that mentality a soft launch because it seemed like very few consoles were available no matter what ecosystem you chose to purchase into and in that there weren't a whole lot of exclusive experiences to be had that mandated you have the next gen software very few i'm thinking like the medium and the falconeer on the xbox side and those aren't moving units and never would yeah Uh, when i think about miles morales still on ps4 when i think about halo infinite gonna be on xbox one and halo infinite is the prime example that consistently comes up in the xbox uh, ecosystem as to you know what major exclusives do you have in 2021 and that's the only one that that really peaks that top tier level of game expectation that we have uh, there are many games I'm looking forward to this year but very few on that top tier caliber and mm-hmm. I would imagine the coronavirus has a lot to do with that things that could have gotten out the door they you know all hands on deck shifted their call of duty uh cold war is probably one of those where they shifted all their resources to getting it out this year and now it makes this year that much more difficult to maintain Uh, i wonder when we get details on games like gotham knights i wonder when we get details on other uh, big games that are slated for this year because it does feel barren and it's very unlikely that whatever it is that jason ronald is alluding to is something we've not heard of at all I can't imagine they've got a top-tier experience in their back pocket. Perfect Dark is years off. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we talking like a Battletoads size game? Are we talking no, somewhere it could in not between? Be a battle. <laughs> I, I do like. Go ahead. That would be a very that, that would be a disappointment. <laughs> okay, so let me before yeah. I, first certainly it would be. Yeah. And I, I'm in full agreement. I would be very disappointed if that was what he was referring to. But I have heard people make offhand comments like, "Yeah, we still have games coming." And people take their expectations and run with it, WandaVision, and uh-huh. then they still end up... Still a good up, show. <laughs> it's still a good show, yes. Uh, and then they end up in this this, uh, this territory that is just wildly uh, inescapable in terms of hype, and then they're, they're let down. Is Jason going to be talking about a top-tier big game? I mean, Starfield, I feel like he would leave that for Bethesda. I mean, you're right there. I, I do feel like it's, look, it's YouTube land. Right. Mm-hmm. This is the this is the this is the age of the shocked thumbnail image, you know, on the lower left hand side. It's mm-hmm. about hype. It's about over exaggeration of expectations. That's what YouTube's all about. Uh, what social media really is all about. So, like when Jason Ronald is is saying, "Hey, we still got a, uh, an experience waiting for you," my I do jump to conclusions to go. That has to be like a Starfield level of announcement, even even without knowing what a Starfield is. Right. Mm-hmm. I have I already have that expectations because there's a chief at one of the largest companies in the world promised me something. So it has mm-hmm. to be big. Um, sure. So I, I definitely think you're right there. It could be a battle toads. And you saw my immediate reaction. Oof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Let me okay. ask you a question. If it is Starfield, 
what what would you want that game to be? So here's why I don't like that question because okay, I don't have me. an earthly idea, no pun intended, <laughs> what it is. We've seen a screenshot yeah. or two, yeah. and so you know if Luke Lore is getting to decide, it's a third person single player action game. There you go. That's y- what I want. You know, too. I mean, like, like that's what I would want. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's what I want for most games is mm-hmm. third person single player action games. I'm like I'm a little nervous about this Gotham Knights being co-op based you know i I don't know but whatever does happen starfield certainly has a lot to live up to especially if they make it exclusive and here we are back on bethesda somehow somewhere i know hey it's Uh, the bethesda show man it's the bethesda show it does seem like that uh nonetheless it's nice to hear more games are coming it's Mm -hmm. nice to hear that more first party games are coming uh one way or the other i think it's always good for a fan base to hear statements like that yeah All right, this next topic before we get to listener mail, Joe, isn't really a story. It's a venting session, okay? okay? It's a venting session. I didn't even put notes together for this one. I just put a a one partial sentence. Yeah. Avengers, the game. Marvel's Avengers. It's getting that next-gen patch, I think, on the 15th, 18th, I don't know, somewhere around there. With this update, Joe, they're making the XP grind harder. Yeah. I need, I need some counseling. Talk to which, am I crazy? Am no. I crazy? That's the terrible choice. <laughs> so yeah, Avengers uh, Square Enix comes out and they're like, "Hey gang, good news! You got the PlayStation Five version. You got this Xbox Series version. Everything's gonna be fantastic. You're gonna be fighting all sorts of robots in 4K 60 FPS." They still said like load times will still exist in this game. Mm-hmm. They're just gonna be shorter. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a lot of problems with this game, and one of them being the way the cosmetic system and endgame system works. Endgame being that there's barely any, if any, endgame exists, sure. um, and cosmetics being something that, you know, as a games of service, we take a look at games like Destiny, where it's all about, you know, upgrading your, your loot, your armor, your cosmetic look. In Avengers, you don't have that. So for them to say, okay, we're going to make the grind harder, what are we actually achieving here? And at the end of the day, the grind is getting harder for you to put bigger numbers on the screen. I just don't see that being feasible or fun at any at any length. <laughs> is that does that sound fun to me? There has to be a reward for what I'm grinding for. And seeing their costumes and cosmetics come out um, none of them excite me to come back. They, you know, we play Fortnite all the time, Luke. Mm-hmm. And how much money we've wasted, don't actually put a figure out there, <laughs> <laughs> is a scary amount because we're having fun with the game and we're mm-hmm. earning stuff still in the game as well. And at the mm-hmm. same exact time, we're like, oh yeah, this game's free. I'll throw him a buck or two. I'm going to be Venom. I'm going to be the alien Xenomorph mm-hmm. from Alien 1. I'm going to be all that. And that... The Avengers game just doesn't have the it factor that I feel like it should have had. And this announcement of making the grind even harder, mind-boggling, and probably will be reversed. Because this is a surefire way of how to kill a fan base. It's this right here. Bad. Well, they doubled down on it. That's the thing that baffled my mind is they doubled down on it. And when I think of all the, the, the problems with Avengers, you articulated some of them very well. How are you financing this game 
because all your characters are going to be free, where you're doing it through microtransactions and various types of battle passes. You need players to do that. And if in bringing a player into my ecosystem, I I want to level up a new character, or I want to bring a friend along for the ride, it's harder for them to do the cool stuff. It's harder to sell them on why they need to take the time to make Cap look super great or get the coolest Thor abilities. Right now, my Iron Man, pretty high level from when we stopped playing. I don't know when we stopped a while back, but uh-huh. I mean, like, I I don't want to go and grind to level up a new character. I would love to check out this you know, Black Panther when he arrives, but is it going to be super difficult? That's not how you bring players to your game, yeah. and it's beyond me. It's just beyond me. Even just how the system works itself, when they're like, oh, we have Spider-Man and as, as an exclusive, I'm like, I don't even know mm-hmm. how Spider-Man will work in this game. And usually that comes with a l- level of excitement, but like with this game, it comes with such a level of doubt because we see so many classes maneuver almost mirroring each other of how to traverse like black widow does already feel like a spider-man so like i'm just not i don't know if this game how how much longer this thing has legs for certainly certainly a lot to be said for the idea that their first two dlc characters as it were are archers and the same type of class it just seems weird one of them has a dog from the future that's true Alrighty, as we are getting ready to close out the show, Joe, we had quite a bit of listener mail get written in. Last week, we I, I put out there that I wanted to hear responses to the question from Keith from Toronto about various types of games he wanted to see based on properties. Mm. Uh, Clint Coombs wrote in, he said, going back to one of the questions written in, I would really like to see a Stargate game, a squad-based game where you just go to different planets, through the Stargate sounds awesome to me. The possibilities for stories are endless thanks to the Stargate universe. I love that idea. The idea of a Stargate game and the, the gate takes you to different biomes and worlds. That's a pretty cool thing. And then, like, it's instant with no load times? Instant with no load times? Yeah. You know, that sounds familiar. Ah, I can't place it. <laughs> I can't uh, place it at all. <laughs> I have not seen Scar- Stargate since, I think, the year 2000 when DVDs came out. And that was, mm-hmm. like, one of the nine. And we're like, Stargate? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Is it like a Star Wars? And never since. It was in a cool cool theme and idea with Stargate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to say that Anti-Macro also wrote in on Twitter saying that he would love to see a video game property with Firefly. That would be a cool. I'm sure there's six or seven people out there that would agree <laughs> with you, Anti-Macro. I'm sure they're all thrilled. Uh, you know, Joe, Firefly, yeah. one of my blind spots in the nerdisms, and I'm yeah. okay with it. Honestly, me too. <laughs> Everybody gets <laughs> mad at me, and I'm like, well, y'all didn't watch Babylon 5, yeah. and they're like, and what's that? And I'm like, let's go. Let's move on. <laughs> exactly. And the thing is, if I could just stay here for just a sec, sure, it's like yeah, yeah. everybody preaches about Firefly so much that it, I'm not even curious. I'm just irritated. Like, it's irritating <laughs> me. I don't want to ever watch this, this show, I think, because of it. You know how they made me a monster is uh, whenever I hear about it, I'm like, well, if it was so good, it wouldn't get canceled, you know? Exactly. And then people are like, Luke, that's terrible. How could you say that? I'm like, well, the Snyder Cut's here. So it's like, you know, it could have been that bad, right? Okay. All right. (laughs) And then people hate me. (laughs) Luke, we live in a society. (laughs) Let's move on. Where honor is a distant memory, (laughs) says the winter gamer who wrote in on this question. First of all, Brendan Myers, good to see your name popping up Mm -hmm. here. 
he says, how do you think Xbox will handle things uh, from now to the launch of Halo Infinite? How many big hitters do you think they can squeeze in before Halo, even accounting for third-party games? I'll answer this one first, Joe. Go for it. Uh, as far as big hitters, I don't know. We think we covered that pretty extensively. Uh, I don't think there are that many big hitters. Uh, Arkham Knights, maybe the Mass Effect Collection, Starfield if it exists. But as far as Halo Infinite, they are in a conundrum because every little detail that they release is going to be dissected and evaluated thanks to the Craig memes. That is a mess of their own making. All that to say, though, if the game's good, we'll all forget about that going forward. But uh, they certainly have... Some marketing rework to do, given that half the marketing is already available and on my shelf, and the other half is not. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, man. I mean, you know me. Halo is my most anticipated game this year. Um, mm-hmm. I love a good underdog. I love Halo. It's the reason why I'm a gamer today. So I'm all pumped for Halo Infinite. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to experience this game. The screenshots look fantastic. The visors. Look at all those reflections. Everything mm-hmm. seems great. But you're right. It is kind of barren to say the least we don't know about so many games like like scorn i don't know why people are excited for it It just freaks me out gives me the willies i hate it but like you know we we don't know what's happening with the ascent which looks really cool um there are games that are there they just don't seem like the biggest thing like there's no miles morales or demon souls type of effect that these games got um and I, I can't tell you because I'm a PlayStation guy, gamer why that that is the case, but for Halo, this everything everything relies on this game being great, and mm-hmm. that is scary. And it is at the same exact time the thrill of of rooting behind this team because they know it as well as you know it. They can't have another correct situation. This game needs to be talked about. You know? Absolutely. And they get due credit for delaying it. Like, yep. that had to be a tough choice. Uh, but due credit for choosing to delay your biggest flagship at a system launch. But, yeah, the game's got to be good. Yeah. Let's go to another question. This one from my man Todd Oxtra, Joe. He says, do you think Microsoft is giving adequate marketing focus on Game Pass for PC? Considering it's their biggest uncaptured market, they still lack EA Play, Destiny 2, Cloud Saves, and there are issues with the Windows app that is glitchy at best. He said he bought a Series S because of those issues. Yeah. Now, Todd, I, your question's about the marketing and the, the marketing aspect. I'll stay on that for just one second or, or I will not address that for, for one moment. I will say they are giving a lot of attention to the catalog of PC games. Game Pass for PC, Joe, I, I counted them up in uh, a list just a few minutes ago. 238 PC games for Game Ooh. Pass for PC. Yeah. That's, for, that's pretty ripe. What Marketing-wise, I got some thoughts. You go first, though. I'm going to be a broken record. Bethesda, Bethesda, Bethesda. <laughs> this, is, this is one of those things that really does help it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, marketing-wise, this is not... Uh, I feel you there, Todd. I feel the sympathies because I use um, the Xbox app all the time on my PC, and it's a bad app. There's just a lot. The game bar, just it's... I don't even know where it can start sometimes. They really need to go into the system end of this app and really do some fine-tuning before they really market this thing out. It's kind of like PS Now to me, and it's in the sense of like... The tech is just not there, and I feel like that's not why they're pushing it as much. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think Game Pass for PC is a flawed system that needs to be adjusted so that when you do do that push, the PC gamers are not going to be 
so reactionary or, 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 you know, put off by it. Because if there's one thing that through my brief time with PC gamers is uh, that audience is very picky of what they're putting onto their console and what, or sorry, their, their PC and what they're putting into the PC in terms of like system or hardware. So to me, software is king on this and they got to improve on it. I don't even know how you market to PC audiences. And I'm not saying that facetiously or to be yeah. silly. Uh, I mean, we all make our Excel, you know, solitaire jokes, but yeah. I don't know where and how you market to PC gamers. I just don't exist as part of that group. Yeah. And I feel like a parent trying to reach out to a kid, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey son, yeah. how's the YOLOs, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 See, I'm, I'm right with you. As far as missing the mark, I feel like they've been doing a good job at bringing PC players in, uh, at least far better than they were way back in the day of games for windows. But that's a, that's a, a worthy question that if any listeners to this show are primarily PC gamers or have comfortable and plentiful experience in recent years with PC, I would love for you guys to write in insipidghost at gmail.com or tweet at me at insipidghost and let me know just what's happening in the PC space as far as how you're marketed to and how companies reach you because Mm -hmm. I just have no comfortable idea to answer his question properly. But I was still surprised to see how many games are available on Game Pass for PC. It's it's quite a bit. Yeah. All right, let's take uh, two more questions. This first one I'm going to answer very quickly, Joe, just for me, if you don't mind. Uh, Edward Varnell, my good buddy there at the Retro Code, he says, do you think Xbox first-party games can be used as an essential tool in education, and in what ways can they help students? Uh, Edward, no. Uh, I'm sure there there are elements to it, and I certainly have talked on this show about how I've used them in education, but first-party games are not likely to be a focus in education. That's not really... The goal for most game manufacturers, even Nintendo, pretty much abandoned their educational requirements uh, as one of or two of the laws changed a few years back. There is a lot of Microsoft technology that could be used to help students, but the expenses are likely keeping uh, all of that at bay. So I don't see a world where that happens, even though we do see some PR stunts like from Ubisoft and Assassin's Creed making a historical exploration mode. It's mm-hmm. neat to see the ideas. I just don't think it'll happen uh in in large permutation there let's go to one final question a fun one here from famous Seamus Joe he wants to know what video game soundtracks we listen to regularly this is good want me to take this one first I can go first and then we'll bounce back and forth how's that because I got to process a few all right right, one that I I boot up often is the theme song to anthem uh, rip anthem for a lot of, of reasons. Of course you would. But I'm sorry, I really... I've been trying to be positive this whole <laughs> podcast about you, but you're a real son of a gun. I hate you so much. You know, Continue. I love that sound. Remember the choir where, where the the choir started? Remember the Game Awards when we could have I, award ceremonies? I gave myself a personal lobotomy to forget about that game. <laughs> and you bring it up again. How dare you? I like that song uh, a lot, uh, for sure. And I think... Uh, the Halo symphonies, I, I enjoy that as well. What about you? The first one that comes to mind, uh, first off, yeah, Halo Classic. Mm-hmm. But the Death Stranding soundtrack, say what you will about that weird-ass game. How you going to knock soundtrack. on me for Anthem and bring up Death Stranding as your counter? Sure, it's going to come to me, Xbox in a few weeks or something. Trust or me, put on your Spotify, judge me now, but from a week from now, every song is a bop. It just hits on every level. It's really good. 
telling you. Death Death Stranding games bop for you. Is that what I'm getting on this? First off, Death Stranding is weird, and I enjoyed it. But the soundtrack, though, and everybody will agree with me here, it's just a banger. Trust me. I get uh, it. I, I get mean, it. It's weird. I get it. I'm not going to argue with you. Do you remember uh, the little PlayStation exclusive called Sound Shapes? I'll say yes. <laughs> okay. You don't. Uh, sound Shapes. I remember several songs from that uh, yeah. soundtrack pretty extensively. It was on the, the kiosk when I worked at GameStop, uh, mm-hmm. and that's a good that's a good hitter as well. I, I dig that one. Also, the yeah. Doom soundtracks, dope. 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 But every here's those. the thing about that soundtrack. If you... First off, you have to listen to it when you're working out. Secondly, and I don't do that often, so, you know, I never listen to it. <laughs> but every song starts to blend to sound the same. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing. But I will say this. The one song that I've, it's been in loop and I've been playing constantly mm-hmm. um, is Deja Vu. It's the Death Loop song that you heard from, like, the state of play that was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, that song is just such an inspiration love letter to, like, 007 and it's just so good so good you you said uh, the name of a game and i it just escaped me but i listened to it all the time and now i've just blanked on it but i do want to acknowledge that state of play it was fine yeah just fine, fine. it was just fine. it was just okay yeah uh, on that i you know it's gonna kill me because i literally just had it in my mind what soundtrack i listen to all the time and i'm just blanking on it. it's gonna kill me i'll you tweet got it actually you got anthem you mentioned halo I did. I mentioned all of those, and it's none of that is is what I'm thinking of, which is also oh Gears Five, Gears Five, Gears Five. The (laughs) there's an artist named Ruel. She's she has a brilliant voice. She did the theme song with the Kate Diaz trailer. Okay. Uh, Downloaded her albums, not specific to Gears Five, but just her work. Really enjoy her work. Ruel, really good song, really good voice there. Also, shout out to the Ghost of Tsushima, uh, like opening, like song as well mm-hmm. god so good so good well, i'll, I'll be the, the i'll be the sony year? pony and say that if it's a playstation first party i genuinely will love their soundtracks they don't miss when it comes to their music god of war was pretty powerful yeah i couldn't name a song from it but it was powerful music mm-hmm. they use silence well also they yeah. use silence well also all right, Joseph Moran, we have done a fantastic job covering these incredible topics, and I appreciate you helping me carry this episode with so many uh, different angles on this Bethesda deal and otherwise. Would you let the good people know where they can find you? Of course, you can find me over at Mr. Badbit on Twitter. You can find the Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast, wherever you find your podcasts. You can find that on Spotify, Google Play. Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars there. It really does help us out. And you can watch the video version of the podcast every Thursday as well over there on YouTube. It's a show where me and my best friend Kyle talk about the latest, the greatest in all things PlayStation. And we just hit our 200th episode last week. It's been a journey with that show. Over three years. Me talking PlayStation. Wild. If you are an XEP listener and you do not cross-pollinate and have not checked out the Trophy Room, I strongly encourage you to do so. Uh, it Again, if you don't cross-pollinate, you may not know that uh, Joe and I play games constantly, all the time. Quite often, nowadays, cross-play, which is pretty yeah. darn cool. Uh, but Joe is constantly, he's my pirate legend buddy. We mm-hmm. drop in Fortnite regularly. Carry you there. Too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, not, you're good. You're good. Carry, I don't know. 
Uh, there are a few other people you might mm. backpack a little bit more than me. Nonetheless, uh, guys, thank you for listening. Please feel free to go rate the show over on iTunes. Share it on YouTube, Spotify, and all your various social media platforms. That's it for me. Take care. <laughs>